Let's all stand together for just a moment as uh, we read the Word of God. We have read this passage a couple of times already tonight, uh, but it does repeating. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. May God bless the reading of his word tonight is my prayer. You may be seated. Last Sunday morning, we considered the first title given to us in this passage, that of Savior. And tonight, for a few moments, we're going to consider the second. He is Christ. Christ. Again, to give us the setting, uh, verse 8, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The word Christ in the New Testament is the same word, different language, but the same meaning as the word Messiah in the Old Testament. You might be surprised to learn that the word Messiah is only mentioned twice in the Old Testament, both times in the book of Daniel, chapter 9, Daniel 9, 25 and 26 uh, speaks of the Messiah. It's also found twice in the New Testament, both times in the Gospel of John, and we'll talk about those in a few moments. Uh, The meaning of Christ or Messiah is the anointed, the anointed one, the anointed. Uh, That's what it meant in the Hebrew language. It means exactly the same in the Greek language. As the anointed king, as the anointed prophet, the anointed priest... The Messiah was anticipated because he was going to bring together all three offices that God had established for the spiritual, nurturing, well-being, leadership of his people. He would be the king, the son of David. He would also be a prophet. But other kings had been both king and prophet. Uh, He was not unique in that. David himself was a prophet king. And many of the kings, in fact, became prophets. Even Saul, for a time, was numbered among the prophets before sin and rebellion took him away from God. And even Saul numbered among the prophets. So many of the kings were prophets. Um, But none of the kings, none of the kings in the line of David were priests. It couldn't happen because, of course, the priesthood pertained to the tribe of Levi. And only those who were of the tribe of Levi could be priests. But there was, of course, that one lone exception of a king who was also a priest. We know so little about him. We know that Abraham won a great victory long ago, all the way back in the book of Genesis. Abraham won a great victory. On his way back then, he went to the ancient city of Jerusalem. Not much of a city in Abraham's day. 
We'd probably call it just a village, but it was a place. It was a place known to them. It was a place known to God. It had a king. And that king was also a priest of the Most High God. Now, where I grew up in South Arkansas, we called that guy Melchizedek. But some of you guys might have learned to say it as Mel something else. <laughs> Mel, I can't even say it the way that some of y'all say it. Which one is right? Doesn't matter. None of us are probably saying it right. If you ever study Hebrew, you'll understand we don't get very many of their names right. It's okay. We know how it's spelled. We know how to pronounce them in English. Melchizedek was the king priest. And so that was used then years later by the writer of the book of Hebrews to explain for us that great mystery. How was the Messiah, the anointed one, going to be the anointed king that had to be uh, the lineage of David and of the tribe of Judah? How could he be the high priest at the same time of the tribe of Levi? course that was going to come because of the order of Melchizedek and a rather lengthy part of that passage is derived from that we'll talk about the significance of that in a moment but for tonight let's just remember that the anointed Christ was going to be the one who brought together all three of those positions of leadership prophet priest and king the Messiah. He would be the one who had the answers, obviously. He would be able to solve the mysteries, the things that they could not understand. The Messiah would teach them. They understood him to be a great political leader, a great king, who would deliver them from oppression, reestablish the monarchy after the Lineage of David. All but you say, didn't have, they have kings in Israel? Yes, they did. They were the Herods. Uh, but the Herods were not of the lineage of David. In fact, the Herods were put in place by the Romans. And their lineage of all things was from Edom. They were Edomites. What does that mean? That means they were descendants of Esau. Esau. And it was almost spite, probably was spite, that the Romans, of all people, put the Herods in power. The Messiah then would come, reestablish the throne of David, win victories, provide them with political leadership, spiritual leadership. He would correct all the things that was wrong. He would give them the truth that they needed. Messiah. They had no way of knowing, of course, that the Messiah, as they understood him, um, was going to have a two-pronged ministry. <laughs> they had no way of knowing that. Uh, Simon Peter talked about that. He said the prophets in our Old Testament times diligently inquired. They were seeking diligently. They were trying to figure this out. Uh, what God was speaking of when he told them of the suffering of the Messiah and of the glory to follow. 
And what they wanted to know was, was this a time matter? Even John the Baptist was concerned about this and confused about it. After he was put in prison, he sent his disciples to Jesus. Are, are you the Messiah? Are you the coming one? Or do we keep on looking for another one of a, of a, of a different kind? You could see him as a suffering substitute, of course. When he baptized him, what did he call Jesus, his cousin, by the way? What did he call him? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But John the Baptist couldn't figure out how he was going to be both the suffering Savior and the coming King. They, they had no way of knowing. You see, God hadn't told anybody. <laughs> uh, any parent ought to understand what I'm about to say tonight. God hadn't told us everything. Y'all know that, don't you? Uh, God's a faithful father. father. He hadn't told us everything. He didn't tell them in the Old Testament that there was going to be this vast interval of time between the time when Jesus came as a suffering substitute and the time when he will come as the king of kings, as we'll talk about in a few moments. When he had set up his kingdom, established his kingdom, and rule and reign upon this earth for a thousand years. They, they had no way of knowing that there was going to be this interval of time. But we see it now. We see it clearly. I don't think even the New Testament writers, even Simon Peter, who was asking about it, thinking about it, the other apostles, I, I, I'm not sure they even looked at 2,000 years, two millennia. Millions and billions of people who would live and die and become believers in Christ in between those things. I, I don't, I'm not sure they, they even knew how long it was going to be. So you're asking me tonight, well, how long is it going to be? <laughs> uh, I can tell you absolutely clearly tonight that we are closer to the coming of Jesus Christ than we've ever been before. I know that. You say, duh. <laughs> hey, some days that gives me a lot of hope. You ever gone through a day and you just get to the end of that one and say, man, I'm glad that one's behind me. And guess what? Now I'm one day closer to the time when Jesus comes back for us. Yeah, sometimes it's a really good thing just to think about we're closer to the coming of Christ. But I'll tell you what, we can look at the things that the Bible calls signs, and we know that we're getting closer and closer. So while there was an interval of time, they didn't know in the New Testament we still don't know. In fact, Jesus taught us no man knows the day nor the hour except the Father in heaven. But I'm here to tell you tonight there is going to come a time when the Father will say, it's here. And I don't believe we're very far from it. Uh, I know I, I grew I've told you before, I grew up all of my life uh, hearing that Jesus was coming again. They had me convinced he was coming at the end of the 80s. 
It didn't happen. 2000 was the next big time. We just knew that was the millennial, man, that's 2010, 2020, the blood moons. We hear so many things. Folks, just because so many people have been wrong so many times doesn't mean that Jesus isn't still coming. He is. Don't become one of those people Simon Peter warned about. So tonight we think about Jesus coming as a Messiah. And in our minds then we turn over the concept how that The Jews were anticipating his return. They didn't know everything about it. They didn't know there was an interval of time when all of these, before all of these offices would be fulfilled. They had no way of knowing because God hadn't told them. But still on that dark night, so long ago, the angels announced it. Unto you is born this day a Savior who is the Christ. While the Pharisees were gathered together in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 41, I'm going to share with you some passages about this. Jesus asked them, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they said, The son of David. So, with a very simple statement coming from the Pharisees in Jesus' time, we have something declared for us. Something they knew, something they knew very clearly. The Messiah was going to be the king, and he was going to be the son of David. We could spring forward just a little while from when that statement was made in Matthew chapter 22. And we can hear the crowds shouting, Hosanna! What are they doing? It's coronation time as far as they were concerned. The king had arrived. It's time to crown him. Hosanna to the king. They knew. Now they were wrong in their timing, but they were right in their identity. Jesus was in fact the Messiah. And the Messiah was born. The Christ is born. He wasn't going to become the Christ at some point later in his life. No, he was. The Christ was born. Unto you this day is born a Savior. Who is Christ? Is, not will be, is. Who is Christ? Oh, yes, he was the king. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 1, another great passage. Now, the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest. I could stop right there and preach for a month. I'm not going to, but I could. We have such an high priest. Oh, the writer of the book of Hebrews that waxed so eloquent. About this priest, this high priest. How that he was so much better than the high priest that they had ever had before. How that he served as the fulfillment of all those. The high priest had lived and died and lived and died and lived and died all those hundreds of years. But now, now we have such an high priest where their priesthood was of a limited duration. They lived and died. Our high priest never dies. 
And so he's able to say in that incredible passage, therefore he is able to save them to the uttermost, that come unto God by him because he ever lives to make intercession for them. Aren't you glad that our high priest tonight is at the right hand of the Father always interceding for us? Why is that so precious to us? Because we all mess up. We look back over a year. We've messed up. But we have such a high priest who is at the right hand of the Father, always interceding for us. The king, the priest, the prophet. Hebrews chapter 1. God, who at sundry times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, and he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name. God had spoken and spoken and spoken. But now he has spoken unto us by his son. When it comes to the revelation of God, that comes through Jesus Christ. Lastly then, we look at Revelation 19 and 16. And that great promise, he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I'm going to preach on the Lordship of Christ in the morning. Tonight we just sum it all up here. The anointed one means that he is King of Kings. And one day, one day, folks, he is going to ascend to the throne. And he will rule over this entire planet. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. And the good news is that we're going to live and reign with him. I want to talk to you just for a moment before we leave tonight, before we wrap up this time at least, and then we'll have our candlelight service and sing some more songs. Um, those couple of times when the word Messiah was found in the New Testament. One of them was when a fellow named Andrew had an encounter with Jesus and he went and found his brother named Simon. And you know what he told him? He said, well, I found the Messiah. Now, if you know the story, you know that the Messiah had found him. You know what? That's my story too. We find Jesus, yeah, but, but he finds us. How do I know it? Because the Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And all we like sheep had gone astray. He turned everyone aside into his own way, but the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. It was just a simple thing that Jesus said to Andrew. You know, when you were studying there under the fig tree, well, I saw you. 
I knew you, an Israelite in whom is no guile. There's a man who's honest. No deceit in him. Oh, that was enough to convince Andrew, but Andrew was going to see a whole lot more. And he did. He did. I found the Messiah. Second time that Messiah is mentioned in the New Testament is a really interesting story. Don't have time to tell it to you tonight, but you'll recognize it. You see, Jesus had to go through an area called Samaria, and that was a place that was very dangerous then. It's still dangerous today. And so you didn't go through Samaria unless you just had to, but Jesus said, I have to. I I must go through Samaria. He went to a place where Jacob had dug a well. There was a village there. The disciples went in to see if they could scrounge up some food. And while they were gone, he had a conversation with the woman. Uh, This is not just anybody. He had a conversation with the woman. You do understand, of course, that that just wasn't done very much in their time. And not, not just a woman, but a Samaritan woman. And if you read the story in John 4, you'll see Jesus started the conversation. He initiated. Did I tell you that it's always Jesus who's the seeker? It's all the first moves always with him. Conversation went back and forth. Don't have time to tell you all the story. Wish I did. But they get down after a little while, and this lady says to Jesus. Second time, last time, the word Messiah found. She says to Jesus, we know that Messiah is coming. And he will show us all things. Samaritan woman, not a Jew. Samaritan woman. Looking for the Messiah. Knowing that he is the one who has all the answers. Because He's the great prophet, the anointed prophet. We know that he will do everything that they've looked for because he's the great king. They they, they know that, that he will provide what they need, forgiveness, because he'll be the great priest. We know that Messiah is coming and he'll show us all things. And lo and behold, in that place, to that woman, Jesus said, I that speak unto you am he. I am the Messiah. You keep reading in John chapter 10 and you're going to find the Pharisees, the religious leaders saying, don't keep us in suspense. If you're the Messiah, just tell us plainly. (laughs) And to them, he said, just look at what I've done. Just look at what I've done. How many people have you seen heal like Jesus healed? How many folks have fed thousands like Jesus did? Who else has done the miracles that Jesus did? Just look at the works that I've done. If you don't believe me, when I, what I just look at what I've done. What other explanation is there? There was no other explanation, but they didn't want it. Unfortunately, today, people still make that same decision. 
They look at everything that Jesus is doing, everything that Jesus has done, and say, nope. Nope. I say to all of you today, I hope you've had that experience tonight, and those watching from home, folks, you had that time where you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Christ. Because if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, thou shalt be saved saved